0: back to the coffee and bible time podcast for those that may be listening for the first time our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform youtube our channel is called coffee and bible time where our goal is to help people delight in god's word we also have a website and storefront with bible studies prayer journals and more And a big shout out and thank you to all of our patrons. You know, we really appreciate your support. We know you don't have to, and we just appreciate your kindness and being with us in all we do. I'm Mentor Mama, and today we are going to be talking about how understanding Bible genres transforms Bible study. You know, a lot of times we treat scripture like it's all the same, from Genesis to Revelation. And while it's true that the Bible is unified, it's also very diverse. And our guest today, Christy Anyabuile, the author of the book, Literarily, will be talking about how the Bible can be grouped according to key categories called genres that help us read and properly interpret the scriptures. So stay tuned, but first, a word from our sponsor. We still have our coupon code available for you guys if you wanted to do online counseling um, with Christian counselors. It's all online. It's via Zoom. You can pick who you want your counselor to be. Very reputable. They all have counseling degrees, so this isn't like... Some random on the internet, and my mom kind of has a personal testimony to it. Yes. So I actually have done some counseling sessions with Faithful Counseling. And what I really loved about it was that you can actually put in like different qualities that you're looking for in a counselor and specialties, male, female, if they have experience tackling different issues. And so I really loved that idea that I could Go through and kind of pick the one I wanted. And then um, during this COVID season, it was really applicable anyway, since I couldn't leave my house for counseling, that I actually could just do it online. And you even have the opportunity to do a Zoom type call with them, or you can just do um, a phone call, whatever works best for you and so it was just really great to have access to counseling when you when you need it you know, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, if you guys want ten percent off your first month of doing this, you can go to getfaithful dot slash coffee and Bible time, and you get ten percent off your first month. And of course, it is cheaper than traditional in person counseling anyway. So, overall, it's just a good deal. We really recommend it. But let's just get on to the pocket. Oh. Well, one other thing, too, is that you have the option of with your counselor that they are Christian counselors. And so if you want, they will actually pray for you, which I thought was so cool. At the end of each of my counseling, she prayed for me and my issues. Oh, wow. Thanks for that. Christy Anyabuile is editor of His Testimonies, My Heritage, Women of Color on the Word of God. She is the Associate Director of Women's Workshops for the Charles Simeon Trust and is a founding member of the Pelican Project. She has written contributions to Held, 31 Biblical Reflections on God's Comfort and Care in the Sorrow of Miscarriage, the ESV Women's Devotional Bible, Word-Filled Women's Ministry, Loving and Serving the Church, Women on Life, A Call to Love the Unborn, Unloved, and Neglected, and Hospitality Matters, Reviving an Ancient Practice for Modern Missions. Her work can also be found at the Front Porch, the Gospel Coalition, Desiring God, Christianity Today, and Revive Our Hearts. She is a pastor's wife and has been married almost 30 years, and they have three children. Please welcome Christy. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ellen. Oh, it's so nice to have you here. And I'm great to be here. Super, super excited about your book because here at Bible Time, as I mentioned, our goal is to help people delight in God's Word, and truly, that is what your book is helping people do. So I pray so. <laughs> start out with the title of your book. Why the title literarily? I know it's a mouthful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a clunky word, but I think it's also a concise word. And so um, literarily came about or the title came about because I really wanted to write a book that help people to study the Bible based on the literary genres of scripture. And I say literary genres because within each, a genre is just a category. Uh, it's how we categorize certain things. And the Bible is categorized at, according to um, certain types of literature and so the first five books are the law books that is the genre that's the category so even though a lot of the material in the law books are sort of story or narrative in nature literally the function is to for us to understand God's instructions God's law as he you know initially handed it down to his people mm-hmm. and then we have um the narrative, then we have the Old Testament narratives, which are stories, they're historical, but they're stories. And those narratives are painting a picture for us of how people responded to God's law, how they responded to his instructions, and so forth and so on. So we have other genres as well, Uh, We have the uh, poetry books, like the Psalms. We have the wisdom books, like Proverbs. We have the prophets. And in each of those genres, again, I think there are certain literary characteristics that typify each of those genres. Even when we get to the New Testament and we talk about the gospels or we talk about epistles or even talking about apocalyptic literature, uh, there are literary features that typify those books that I try to highlight and I try to just generally explain in a way that helps people understand the whole genre and even a particular passage within that genre that someone might be studying. So hence the title, literarily, wanting to study the Bible literarily according to the literary genres of scripture. We tried other titles, we tried, (laughs) but you know sometimes you can explain something and you can use a lot of words to explain something or you can use the actual word <laughs> and, and so the the word is the explanation and so we tried out a couple other titles but literally seems to to fit it's the most concise way to describe what the content of the
0: book is yeah so, well it sounds yeah. so similar to literally <laughs> How would you say the difference yes. is for the your title versus literally? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people,
1: kind of, when you look at it, if you just you know, we're so accustomed to saying literally, so when you look at it, you kind of want to say literally because yeah. it's so close. Yes, but but on that note, lots of people um, have this question when they study the Bible: How do you actually study it? Should you study the Bible literally? Is it meant to be read literally? And so this kind of goes back to your initial question in that when people ask that question, how do I study the Bible? Is it to be taken literally? Mm-hmm. To a large extent, it's because we don't have a good handle, grasp of literary genre. And so for me, I always say that every book of the Bible can be read literarily according to its literary genre and as we read it literarily then it will dictate whether or not a particular passage should be read literally right and so for example if you're in the law and you're reading you know you're reading various laws you're reading things about well you know men not cutting beards and tattoos and those kinds of things well if you read those literally you may come away with an application that may not be the primary intent of that particular passage. But if we understand that the law books, where Leviticus, you know, Leviticus and a lot of those kind of um, laws that we, you know, laws that we get tripped up about, food laws and you know, clothing and this and that. Um, it's within the law, and the law is giving us instruction for how God expects His people to live. And in Leviticus, for example, a big overarching theme throughout the book is holiness. God is holy and God's expectation for his people to be holy. So when you come across a verse that talks about you know beards or or silk versus cotton cotton clothing, or um, tattoos and those kinds of things, the intent of those passages isn't necessarily to tell us whether or not we should wear a tattoo or whether or not a man should have a beard. The intent of those passages is to help us to understand that God expects his people to be holy. He expects them to be distinct from the people around them. And so at that time, if the pagan nations around were nations in which uh, the wearing of a, of a beard indicated something that would be um, contrary to God's holiness and his expectation of his people to be holy, then that's where a law like that would come from, right? And so then how do we apply that today? Do we say men should wear beards, of course not, but we do say men and women should carry themselves in a way that is very distinct from the world. We shouldn't be confused in any aspect from what we wear to how we speak, to where, how we carry ourselves, to where we go. We should be marked as distinct people who are God's treasured possession. And so I think reading it literarily, understanding the law, for example, dictates to us whether or not we should read a particular passage literally. Uh, so that's just one example, but yeah. we there are tons more you know, examples that we can, you know, we can point to in the scriptures that help us with this. The proverbs are another one, right? We take a lot of proverbial people are tempted to take proverbial literature um, as promises. And that's not really the function of the proverbs. And so Um, I think just being careful with that, of knowing what the literary genre is doing, and that'll dictate whether or not we read it literally.
0: Yes. And that's just so critical. And I'm Mm -hmm. so encouraged for for those who are listening today and you don't have this background yet. Christy's book actually will go through every single genre and help you learn how to, what, what the correct interpretation is. So let's go back a little bit. Where did you get this idea for this book? Oh, thank you. So,
1: you know, I've had, um, like probably a lot of your listeners have been uh, teaching and studying the Bible for a, a long time. And, One of the things that um, I started to grow in is just this understanding of how impactful understanding genre is to my, say, my inductive Bible study. And so when I first learned the inductive method, it was very, on a very general generic basis. And so um, I wasn't taught how a particular like how to observe the text from the standpoint of this is a this is history or this is narrative or how to observe the text from the standpoint that this is um, a prop you know a prophet who is speaking God's word and so I just kind of had a blanket understanding so I read every passage of scripture the same way what does it say what does it mean what does it mean to me well, I can't really have a great handle on what it means if my observations aren't rooted the right way. And so I just was growing in that and was excited about it. And so I just started incorporating these ideas into my own uh, study personally, but also in discipling other women in my local church. And so I was reading through the books of Ruth and Esther with women in my church. One lady, we were going through Ruth, another lady we were going through Esther, just happened that way. But they're both narratives, historical narratives, um, beautiful books. And with one lady in particular, we're going through Ruth and she has a theater background. And so thinking about story, thinking about plot, thinking about narrative, mm-hmm. thinking about um, tension within a story and the, cl- that climactic moment that we all wait for when we're reading a book or when we're watching a television show. Mm-hmm. We were just really enjoying walking through Ruth, looking for some of the plot elements within each chapter. And so as we were going through it, she just, uh, said to me, "No, she's like, oh man, this is so great. She's like, everybody should study the Bible this way. Have you ever thought about writing a book to help people study the Bible this way? And I was like, huh, you know, that's actually a great idea. So yeah, the Lord used her and just my time, you know, working with women through the genre studies, um, Um, as a way to bring the idea about. And even in my small group study in my local church, uh, we were going through Isaiah. And uh, as we kind of introduced this big 66 chapter, (laughs) huge book, um, it was mind blowing to me when I first understood it and mind blowing to uh, the women in my Bible study To know that most of the book of Isaiah, it is prophecy, but most of it is written in poetic language. So if you look in your Bible at the book of Isaiah, very little narrative is included um, in that book. Most of it is poetic. And what I mean by poetic is that it is organized. um, It's laid out according to... um, hebrew poetry meaning parallel lines are very important so um, lines go together in most of the chapters of the book of isaiah and how you group those lines together helps you to see what the main sections are what the main topics or themes are and helps you to put the book together to make sense of it also knowing this poetic then you understand that lots of things are symbolic, lots of there's lots of imagery, right? And those images are meant to communicate God's message to us in a unique way. And that's important for a prophet because uh, remember God's word was very, very much an oral tradition. And so it was meant for people to hear it and for people to be able to recite it later. Right. And so anyway, so Things like that 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 was another kind of key moment where you know women were like whoa we never knew this and so then it was fun to go through the book of isaiah and to look for the it's called parallelism look for the types of parallelism within each chapter that we were studying and to put them together to figure out what the main sections and themes and topics and the main point of each of our passages were Um, So those are the kinds of things that really led me to uh, think about writing this particular book.
0: Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. Yes, oh, I can see keeping this book like tucked inside your Bible, and anytime you start a new book, referencing back just to like sort of ground yourself before you even dig in, right? I mean, you kind exactly.
1: of you exactly, exactly
0: this before you even start. A particular exactly. Book. Well, yes. Who um, is this book for, would you say? And how is it meant to be used? Yeah, what you said
1: was perfect, right? And so for whether you're a seasoned Bible student or whether you're just starting out as a student of God's word. And we are all students, right? We're all disciples, students of God's word. So in some aspect, everybody's a student. (laughs) Um, But whether you're seasoned or whether you're just starting out, um, this book is for you because like you said, it can really serve as a as a reference guide. So you don't necessarily have to read the book. It's great to read straight through from beginning to end. There is a cohesiveness to the book and there are study questions at the end of most of the chapters to kind of give you some ways to practice what you're learning in each chapter so you can read it straight through. Or you can say, hey, I'm about to study Isaiah or I'm about to study an epistle, First John. And I just wanna know, how do I get into it? Like, what are some things I should be looking for? You know, epistles, you need to look for the argument that the author is making. How do I do that in Romans? Um, And so if you just turn to the chapter that talks about epistles, you can get an overview and have some pointers about, okay, what are some things that I need to be looking for as I approach this particular book? Or maybe you're in a passage and you're like, "Hmm, this passage, it is, I don't know, it's a it's in, it's in the law, but it's actually a narrative story. Well, you can just go to the chapter that talks about narratives and at least have a, uh, an idea of how do I work out the plot of this story within the context of the greater genre of the law, right? And so you can use it very much as a reference guide in that sense, or you can read it straight through and just have a, a broad overview of the cohesiveness of the Bible and how the genres um, work to tell work together to tell God's redemptive story. Um, so yeah, so I, I think it would definitely be great for um, even I've talked to people who are using it in their teenage youth group, who are using it for their women's Bible study, who are using it for even their teaching cohort. I have a few ladies who have, um, you know, asked me to pop on and, and greet their students in their classes for their, um, their teaching cohorts and things like that. Uh, so I do think there's a broad application of it, uh, but for sure, people who want to get a handle on the, the genres of scripture, what they are and how to use them, that is who this book is for.
0: Hey, this is Mentor Mama, and I have an incredibly practical tip for all our listeners. With over 130 orders I've already placed on Instacart, I can't tell you enough how much I absolutely love Instacart. If you hate going grocery shopping or always end up coming home with way more items than were on your list, which of course blows your budget, then Instacart is for you. I actually save both time and money using Instacart. I save time shopping because the app keeps track of all my regular purchases, making each subsequent order super fast to enter on my app. I also save time by avoiding checkout lines and driving to and from the store. In addition to saving time, I have saved so much money because I don't get seduced by every new flavor or product on the shelf. My grocery bills have been considerably less. So if you want to make shopping easy, get delivery via Instacart in as fast as one hour and get your first delivery free, click the link in our description and start today. Well, in your book, so you provide an overview of the primary genres in scripture Walk us through what are those main genres?
1: Yeah, I talked a little bit about it, but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give a, a brief overview again. So remember I said that the first five books are the, we call that the Pentateuch, but those are the law books. And those, that's God's instructions. What God, who God is, what he um, it expects of his people, how he expects them to live. So the law doesn't mean like rules, kind of the way we think about rules, the word Torah literally means instruction, it's teaching, and so that's the beginning, right, where God is just saying, here it is, this is who I am, and this is who I expect you to be, then you get the next set of books, so that's Genesis through Deuteronomy, then you get Uh, Joshua through um, Esther, and those are the Old Testament narratives. Narratives are stories, but in the Bible, these narratives aren't like made-up stories. They're not like allegories. They're actual historical fact, so they're often called historical narratives, and these stories paint for us a picture of how God's people responded to his instructions. And so we see Joshua, we see the, you know, we see the waywardness of um, what happened in the judges and how everyone did it, you know, what was right in their own eyes. So was that God, oh, in accordance with God's instructions? No, but it was a, a sinful, unrighteous response to God's instructions. So we see that in the narratives. Then we get to say the uh, poetic books like, the Psalms primarily, and these are the prayer, the prayer books and the song books of God's people. And it's another way of seeing how God's people respond to his instruction, but how they respond to God's instruction in worship, in prayer, in lament, in thanksgiving, in hardship, in um, celebration. And so in, in these other kind of areas of life, it is another expression of how God's people uh, respond to his instructions, but it's in a poetic way. The wisdom literature teaches us, um, that's like Job, Ecclesiastes, uh, Song of Solomon. Uh, some, they're written in a way, the wisdom books are basically helping us to know how to live wisely, under God's instructions, right, and so Job, for example, how to live wisely in the midst of suffering, right? Song of Solomon, how to live wisely in romantic relationships, okay? Um, so and on and on and on in the in the wisdom literature, and then we move on to the prophets. So the prophets is how is God's. Prophets are spokespersons and they are people who are speaking God's word to God's people. And so remember in the narratives, people go crazy, they don't respond. <laughs> I mean, some do, right? Some some people respond well and they respond in obedience and in worship to God, but in a large measure, they do not. And so the prophets are really saying, hey, he's, they're reminding God's people of his instructions and saying, these are the consequences if you stray away, and these are the blessings and rewards if you continue to follow and live under God's instructions. And then we have we move forward into the Gospels, and that is God's instructions embodied in the person of Jesus Christ, the only one who perfectly obeyed every law and instruction of God, and who gave his life in, uh, in gave his life so that we who can't live in perfect obedience to God's law can still have a right relationship with God. And so the gospels are painting for us, the person and work, the life and the message of Jesus who embodies um, the, all the law of God. And then we have the church and the epistles. The epistles are just are letters written to churches. And so the epistles are painting for us um, God's instructions for the church now. So in light of Jesus coming, death, resurrection, ascension, how does God expect the church to live under his instructions? And then we have the apocalyptic literature. So we got a little dip in the old Testament, a little dip in the new with apocalyptic. Daniel is our primary uh, book that folk, that is apocalyptic in the old Testament. Apocalyptic literature is sprinkled throughout scriptures, but these are kind of like the main books. There's Daniel in the Old Testament, and of course, Revelation in the New. And in the apocalyptic literature, that is painting for us a picture of God's instructions finally fulfilled, and how one day we will get to live in full obedience to God's instructions with him forever. So it's kind of the consummation, the fulfillment of all of God's law and our ability to now live fully and freely under um, the instruction of the Lord. And so those are the genres. (laughs) And if you look at them all together, they really do show us the full redemptive history and the full redemptive plan of God um, throughout, throughout the Bible. Um, and of course, all of that is pointing us to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? And so in the Old Testament, we see uh, the, the law and the narratives and the wisdom and the poetry and the prophets pointing to Jesus. And then in the New Testament, we see the gospels and the epistles and even revelation um, kind of showing us the other side of um, how we live Um, in light of Christ coming under God's instructions. So there you go.
0: Wow. Those are the genres. Yes. Phenomenal. And hopefully that just kind of, uh, you know, really piques your interest for wanting to learn more in each of those genres. Christy goes in much deeper into the, into the book itself. Would you say, Christy, there's a particular genre that's Harder to grasp than others? I would say most people
1: would say that um, apocalyptic uh, literature is the hardest to grasp, mostly because it's probably the one genre where there are the most diverse um, perspectives on how to interpret it. But I would say, if you really take your time and work your way through apocalyptic, everything is symbolic. There's lots of imagery. Um, That is true. But if you really take your time and work through it, it's such a beautiful book that helps us to see um, where all of history is headed and where we're headed. And um, it's very worshipful. There's songs, there's prayers. It's just a beautiful book. So, it is probably one of the harder ones to grasp, but it's also a very beautiful book that I think is worth taking some time to go really slowly and working your way through it. Um, so, I will start in Daniel, as a matter of fact. And because Daniel is kind of setting the groundwork, the first half of Daniel is very, is very much narrative. The second half of Daniel is more the apocalyptic um, side. And I think it'll give you a lot, a good foundation, um, so that when you get to Revelation, um, Revelation references Daniel a lot. Revelation references a lot of the Bible a lot. And so, but I think if you start in Daniel, it'll kind of dip your toes in a little bit and prepare you for um, being able to study Revelation.
0: Yes, I know for me personally, um, one of the parts I find so intriguing about Revelation is just the references to the throne room of God. And I kind of try to use that as I prepare myself in prayer and remembering Mm -hmm. that I'm standing before God's throne and really gives you sort of a, a visual image of what that's like. And the glory and the majesty is, is beyond yeah. the sounds, everything like all of yeah. your senses are kind yes. of aroused in that experience. Of... That
1: is so true. It It is. It's a very experiential, like a uh, experiential book and very worshipful. The other cool thing about uh, the book of revelation is it says it's, it's a, it's a letter. Uh, it said it, but it's also a lot of different things that, <laughs> that it says about itself. So, um, so if you open the beginning of the book of revelation, it calls itself a prophecy in verse three, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And um, it's written as a letter. So in verse four, it says, "John to the seven churches that are in Asia," and so it's written very much in the form of a letter. It is apocalyptic, so it it really has these em- these high imagery and pictures of the end and those kinds of things. And 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 there's stories, there's narratives in there, so it's like a full picture of like so many of the genres. Uh, there's poetry. There's so many things. Uh, within, uh, the book of revelation that it, it really is just a beautiful book. So I would encourage you to flip over into literarily and read the chapter on apocalyptic genre, and then,
0: you know, dip your toe into, <laughs> into, um, revelation. Do you have any specific tips, you know, when it comes to studying a book of the Bible that has different elements or genres within one book? Are those easy to find and draw out?
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question. I'll take, uh, so for example, in the book of Daniel, again, the first half of it is very much narrative. So I would read it like a narrative, like a story. So if you're, you know, if you flip to the chapter in literarily that talks about narratives, they're primarily you know, you know in, as far as the literary genre, um, they're primarily located, or I focus more so on the Old Testament narratives, but you can use the same formula in terms of following a plot in just about any narrative story, wherever you find it in scripture. Um, and so basically throughout the Bible, you'll find basically three text types. You'll find narratives, which are stories, You'll find poetry and you'll find um, discourse, uh, speeches or sermons or um, even the letters, right? And so those are the three main types of texts that you'll find in the scriptures. And so if you go to a book like Daniel and you start reading narrative passages, then just study it like a narrative and find the plot. If you later on in Daniel, when you get to around uh, chapter seven or so, uh, there are some poetic sections in there so read it just like you would like you would read poetry and then when you get to the apocalyptic sections um, you study them in that way it also kind of gives you some handles about how to organize or how to structure the book as a whole so a lot of time and then really pay attention when the text type changes so if you're i don't know in genesis and then all of a sudden you come up on to uh, Miriam's song or Moses' song, okay, boom, like that is something you really want to pay attention to. Um, and so there's there's something unique in terms of the message that God is giving to his people in that song or poem or prayer that we want to pay attention to. Uh, so yeah, that that's what I would say.
0: Oh, awesome. It's here and we are so excited. Our new Patreon online community is finally open and you're invited to join us. Your support is so appreciated and important. In fact, it's what allows us at Coffee and Bible Time to continue on with our ministry. We thank you in advance for your support. Well, your your book kind of reminds me I'm going back to like English class, <laughs> having flashbacks. And you know, your book provides a lot of literary terminology. How can someone without a literature background benefit from this book?
1: I would say, join me. I do not have a literary background. <laughs> so I really have had to study, learn, relearn, go back to my you know grammar school <laughs> memories and um and to just remind myself of some of these things. Some of it is really intuitive, right? So if we think about, again, like if we think about story, we understand story. And so some of it is just giving terminology to things that we know. Uh, we understand metaphors. So if I say, uh, you know, if I say, oh boy, that, um, that workout was a bear. I'm not saying that, you know, um, I'm I'm using the term in a metaphoric sense, right? Or if I say, you know, it was as cold as a block of ice, you know, that's a simile. So some, I mean, we we understand, we use this terminology, we use this language all the time, but we don't necessarily always have the terminology to go with it. So in literarily, I try to define terms and provide examples that would be accessible and easy for us to relate to. And um, so I try not to overdo it, but I I do think it's important to know when you come up upon those elements in the Bible to know what it is and to know how it's used and to know, for example, that again, that helps you to know whether or not I'm supposed to read this literally or not, right? Um, So if I come upon a metaphor, then it's obvious it's not meant to be taken literally is figurative language right um, So that those are the those are the two poles you can read literally or you can read figuratively and so a metaphor is figurative language for example. So I would say someone who does not have a literature background don't worry about it I don't either but in the book I try to give examples and give definitions for things that would help people follow along and again my goal is, to provide these tools these tips these skills as a way to reduce some of the friction that we sometimes have when we come to scripture so that when we you know when we read in song of solomon that your your teeth are like sheep's wool or something like <laughs> we have a way to you know understand what the author might be trying to picture for us in that right uh, we won't be insulted if our husband <laughs> tries to echo the words of song of solomon to us right that, that is meant to be endearing for example um so so the goal is to reduce some of that friction and so that when we open the pages of scripture That we can really commune with the Lord, that we can have sweet fellowship with him, that we don't stumble as much on, oh no, how do I read this, I read all the words but I have no idea what this means or (laughs) what to do with it, but we have these tools that will ease us into the word so that we can Just have sweet fellowship and communion with the Lord. Uh, That's the goal. It's not really to teach us grammar or to help us have a better literary background. It's not really to give us, you know, academic or intellectual learning. It really is to help us engage more freely and fully with the Lord our God. That's the goal.
0: Yes, and in all your years of doing this, would you say, like over time, this process that you're talking about really must just start to come much more naturally, right? And you and and you really can embrace scripture more wholeheartedly. And yeah,
1: yeah, it does, because you know, before I would just read, you know, I I might read a psalm and like, oh my gosh, like I really have no idea what this means but now I know what to look for. I'm like, okay, back up, Christy. The lines are parallel. Which lines go together? How do they fit together? Are they saying the same thing? Are they saying opposite things? Is, are they extending one, extending the thought of another? Um, How does it package together? Where does this, you know, line of thinking begin and end? You know, so now I can open a psalm, and I am like, okay, back up. These are the things that you need to be looking for, um, and it really helps me to just um, be able to engage with God more freely and fully. So I, I, I have found it helpful.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful, and I, I just know our listeners are going to be sort of transformed through this process. What was the hardest part of writing this book for you? The hardest part, I mean,
1: there were a lot of hard parts, writing itself is hard. Uh, I think one of the hardest, one of the hard things was keeping it succinct and providing enough information to help people move along in the scriptures, but not so much that People would be overwhelmed when they, when they read it. Um, And so like, just in terms of what I was trying to do with the book, um, that was the, that was the hardest part. And so, I mean, I, I literally barely scratched the surface on some of these concepts. So when you talk about narratives, I mean, there's all kinds of narratives. We can talk about tragedies. We can talk about hero stories. We can talk about like you know, comedies, we can talk about, like there's so many other uh, sub-genres within each genre that we could focus on. I really just had to try to, you know, make it succinct, give enough so that people could get into it, but not like so much as like, oh my gosh, this is, this is way too much. Um, So yeah, in terms of what I was trying to do, I would say that was probably the hardest part. Um, Yeah,
0: and
1: I'd say- I think with any writing, um, so so that in terms of what I was trying to do, that was hard. In terms of the writing process, I think the hard part was, of course, finding the time and really staying focused and prayerful throughout. It's so easy, whether you're writing, whether you're studying God's word, whatever we're doing in life is so easy to live life um, with self-effort, you know, and to do things in our own strength, and to not rely on the Lord, and to to work and labor in dependence upon Him. So that's just a constant struggle too, of like my own heart as I'm trying to write and. And, you know, and pull these ideas together in a way that will be helpful to people is guarding my own heart of, okay, Christy, step back. <laughs> like, there's a whole Holy Spirit that needs to be active here. And uh, that's who you need to be relying on in this process of writing, right?
0: Um, yes, amen to that. We all mm-hmm. de- desperately need to keep that in mind. Yes. Well, as we sort of wrap up the interview here, um, are there any sort of parting words of encouragement that you would have for people that may be interested in picking up this book
1: yeah Uh, words of encouragement i would say you know all of god's word is for all of god's people and regardless of whether you're a new student of the word or seasoned student of the word i would just encourage you to spend some time in god's word on a daily basis And honestly, I I think this tool is helpful, but you don't have to use literarily. You don't have to use any of these tools. If you open the book with a heart that is ready to receive from the Lord, I trust the work of the Holy Spirit that he doesn't need, he doesn't need me, he doesn't need this book. He doesn't need any of these tools. He can work through his word. Um, Do these things help? Yeah, of course they help. did God have intention for these things? Yes, I mean, he put them in there. Right? Like, so he means for us to use these kinds of tools to aid us in our understanding, but I also trust the work of the Holy Spirit that he, he moves and he acts and he illumines God's word to us. And so my encouragement would be whether you use literarily or some other tool or whatever else, just prayerfully um, open the book with a heart and a mind to receive from the Lord, to commune with the Lord. Um, with a desire to um, understand him better and to love him more deeply that would be my encouragement to leave with you all
0: oh thank you so much Christy Of course. Yeah. this has been such great insight I know for myself and for the folks that are listening how can people find out more information about you Oh, um, they can go to my website,
1: myfirstnamelastname.com. Good luck spelling it. (laughs) christianyabwile.com. I also hang out a lot on Instagram. So you can always uh, find me there. And I'm on the other socials, but probably Instagram more than most. Uh, So I would love to connect with you. So feel free to
0: hit me up on Instagram or send me a message through the website. I would love that. Awesome. And we will have all of your contact information, including links to your book and our show notes. Before Mm -hmm. we go, I just want to ask you some of our favorite Bible study tool questions. So what Bible do you use and what translation is it?
1: Oh, well, I have in front of me as we're speaking my ESV large print Bible. (laughs) Some of y'all will get there at this point. But yeah, it's I really love, it's, it's a softback leather book. And this is like my daily um, Bible that I read and I mark up, but I also use the logo software on a daily basis. And there I use my ESV, but I also use the CSV a lot in my studies. So those, those are, those are my primary Bibles that I would use. Yeah.
0: Awesome. And it was like,
1: Tons of Bibles on logos, but I primarily would use CSB and
0: ESV. Mm-hmm. Both great translations. Mm-hmm. Do you have any favorite journaling supplies or anything that you yeah. can enhance your Bible study experience?
1: Yes. I don't know what, I don't know the proper word. Oh, and I just did something with it. I don't know the proper word, but I consider myself to be a penaholic. Is that such a thing? Yeah, like, I um, love it.
0: Yes. What do you call Someone who loves, too. what's that? I think we are too, yes.
1: Yeah, someone who loves pens. I don't, I don't know what you call that, but that is me. I love a nice writing pen. And as we're speaking, I don't, it's like, I must've left my writing pen in, um, in another room, but I like pens that uh, have a little bit of weight. Um, I'm holding up kind of a medium point. A medium point ball and I like ballpoint pens to write with um I do write with um kind of more of the gel pen sometimes but I don't know it's something about the feel of a nice ballpoint pen and I also have my handy dandy journal I love a soft journal a lined journal um, and then I also kind of use my um I have a, a journal called um it's called a passion planner. Uh, So I have a planner that is a passion planner, but they also have journals and kind of ways for you to brain dump. And if you like hand lettering, if you like just kind of getting things out of your head that you're thinking about, that's not so much journaling, but just doodling. um, I use that. So yeah, those are are my journaling pen resources. Yeah, and I now have a whole, stack of colored pens and markers and highlighters and all those kinds of things. I love those.
0: Oh, uh, we do too. I love yeah. that. Well, we yeah. will put links to Christie's favorites down in our show notes. I yeah. know you mentioned um, the last thing here. You're, you mentioned the Logos um, yes. website, which is an awesome tool. Do you have any other favorite uh, apps or websites for Bible study tools?
1: Yeah, mostly I use um, my Logos uh, software, Uh, but I also, if I'm just going to do a quick search or if I'm, you know, out and about and I'm looking for something, I use the um, Biblehub.com. That's kind of a a go-to. I love it. It's free. There's, you know, parallel, you can do parallel Bibles, you can do commentaries, you can do word studies. You can do lexicons. There's tons of things on the biblehub.com. And then I, um, my oldie goldie is the olive tree. I love that. The olive tree. Some people have that software. And then um, the olive tree Bible. I think it's just called Bible on my phone. Uh, what is it called? It is U version. Sorry, the U version Bible. <laughs> cool yes, so I have the U version Bible on my phone as well. Um, so those are probably my daily, my daily go tos. There's so many more though. I have. I mean, I love my day by day chronological Bible. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It has study questions in it, and I l- super love that Bible a lot. I love my She Reads Truth study Bible, big study Bible. I love my Gospel Transformation study Bible. What else? Uh, I mean, these are ones I just, oh, we're talking about literarily. The Literary Study Bible by Dr. Lena oh. Riken. Like that is definitely a must. Ooh, yeah. that's yes. one I haven't heard of. Yes, yeah. I'll, but I'll make sure you put that one in the show notes too, okay. but that the literary study Bible is amazing. I love it. Um, and then of course the NIV inductive study Bible, there's so many, <laughs> I, so I kind of use those more spor- sporadically when I'm looking for specific things, but if you want another kind of guide to help you study God's word an inductive study Bible is, is really, really helpful. So there are tons of resources out there
0: oh there are so i mean
1: we, this could be a whole nother conversation yeah, this could be a whole other
0: conversation. A yeah. and <laughs> i know our podcast listeners can't see you christy i can and behind her are bookshelves <laughs> full of books so i we definitely could be here all day well christy yeah. thank you so much for being here today sharing thank your you for defense. having me. um it really will help people's understanding of how Bible genres can transform your Bible study experience. And for our Uh listeners, pick up a copy of Christie's book, Literarily. You will find the link in our show notes. And please head over to our blog where you can share your comments with us about this podcast. We will turn this podcast into a blog post and you can make your comments there. Lastly, head over to the Coffee and Bible Time website for our prayer journals that will help guide and document your prayer life at coffeeandbibletime.com. Thank you so much for joining us today on our podcast. We love you all and have a blessed day.